Hello and welcome to the Wigmore Hall podcast. I'm Jessica Duchin. I'm a music critic and author, and it's my very great pleasure to be here today to introduce the wonderful British pianist Christian Blackshaw, who's coming to the Wigmore Hall to do a complete cycle of the Mozart piano sonatas, which will be spread over four concerts, each of which is taking place on Mozart's birthday, the 27th of January, every year except 2021. Christian, welcome. Lovely to see you. Thank you, Jessica. Um, the Mozart piano sonatas are, I think, a, quite a unique uh, syndrome, if you like, in both in the canon of great piano music and in Mozart's own writing. And um, it strikes me that they're very often underrated. Do you think that's fair? Underrated um, uh, with performance or or with uh, music, because uh, the two are not necessarily linked, are they? Exactly. Um, first of all, uh, they are very specific, and to my mind, and uh, to give them life is particularly difficult, because he is above all, to, to my way of thinking one of the supreme vocal composers, everything imbued with that vocal line from the Jupiter Symphony to the simpler song to the piano sonata. And that means of expression through essentially a mechanical instrument for me is a source of great wonder. And even from the very first sonata, you know, written as a young man of 17, coming up to 18, from all the sketches, from being a child, he was improvising at the keyboard, um, to those that were uh, collected and published from 1775. Um, he ha has imbued his spirit into everything he has written, as truly all great genius do, of course. Um, the interesting thing is, again, to my mind, and this is only my own opinion, the first six sonatas, if you like, are there to display his different talents because he was going on his grand tour a couple of years later from Mannheim to Paris. And rather like a great carpenter would have a miniature version of a beautiful cabinet, here he has written all manner of different style of movement from intensely profound, if you think of the second sonata in F major, K280, the, the second movement is an extraordinary slow sarabande in F minor, which is heartbreakingly beautiful, to the exuberant movements of, let's say, the first movement of the B-flat sonata, the following one, K281, or the last movement of the first sonata, K279, just high-spirited, cheeky, if you like, um, displaying all manner of emotion and it seems to me in just the 14 years that he was writing sonatas for the keyboard, you see an extraordinary development from these, I dare not say simple, but, but not quite so complicated in, in harmony um, through to the great C minor sonata or the F major sonata with the two Kirchhoff numbers, 5334494. And then the canonic last sonata, um, actually failing, as we all know, to to compose six sonatas for keyboard. There's only one that survived, and, and three quartets out of six, um, again, proposed that he only managed to complete three. Um, 
And if, if one relates to some of the orchestral music that was woven through these as well, when you think of him working at a keyboard, trying to find spirit and music that would touch the human heart, I, I just find it intensely moving. Do you find them actually almost operatic at times? <laughs> Well, I do. <laughs> Other people may not. Well, I, I do as well. I think I, I think there's undoubtedly an operatic element. Um, and I think that's the one of the biggest challenges for us mere mortals and keyboard exponents to bring that element of this music to life on one instrument. But But that's our role in life. You have to make them sing and communicate and convey um, the question of the instrument is one that I think people get very het up about. Um, whether this is necessary or not, I don't know. But what, given that the sonatas are written for an instrument very much smaller and mm. lighter and less mm. powerful than mm. the modern grand, what sort of concessions do you have to make, if any, to that fact when you're playing them on a, on a modern grand piano? Um, concessions, no, actually. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm missing something. Um, I just, uh, I'm a very simple soul and I just think of the music. I don't necessarily think of the period instrument involved. Maybe again, I'm, I'm not, not being true. The, this sort of instrument is the type I'm familiar with. And, um, if I can convey the spirit of the music, in the way that I would wish. Uh, don't get me wrong, I, I face these challenges practically every day of my life. <laughs> how how do we make how do we make them live really alive in that deferential way that we must approach, but at the same time giving them a voice that's um, relevant today. It's um one could go down all sorts of avenues um missing the essential point of the music. Surely the music in the 21st century is essential and it is there for everyone to enjoy. Now, whether that's on a forte piano or a, a nine foot modern instrument, that, that is up to the listener. If, if people wish to come and hear me or someone else play them on a modern instrument, isn't, isn't that wonderful? And, and other people might choose to listen to them on, on a period instrument. So long as one is in tune as much as we can, being mere mortals, and he is a great genius, to convey that spirit. That that's that's the that's the road down which I travel. That's wonderful. I'm all for that. Well, you're very yeah. kind. And especially, the, I'm just thinking about the the keys that Mozart chooses for these. Mm. There, are, I mm. believe, only two mm. of these sonatas are in minor keys, and those mm. two, the the A minor and the mm. C minor sonatas. They're absolutely explosive, highly dramatic Well, pieces. of course, as you very well know, um, in 1778, when his poor mother died in Paris, by the way, um, just as a little sidetrack, I think many of us interested in Mozart's extraordinary life. And also, let's not forget his means of expressing through words. If you read Mozart's letters, and the incredibly touching letters he wrote back to his father, preparing him for the worst. 
Mozart himself's son, Wolfgang Amadeus, having witnessed that his mother had died. And yet how does he tell his beloved father that his wife has died abroad? Can you imagine? No, you can't get on a train very quickly. It, it took a long time to go from Vienna to, to Paris. And the A minor sonata, strikes me, is one of great tragedy. There are people who suggested that there were sketches written before that event. I, I'm not so sure, I'm not qualified to say, but there's no doubt that the music conveys this extraordinary, you said explosive, um, tragedy, railing maybe against the power of God, who quite knows. Second movement, however, which is ethereal, profound, touching, moving, and then this in the development section, moving into great drama again, that, that, that iron grip has not been released. And the last movement, which, which Chopin, I believe, was very influenced by for the B-flat minor sonata, is I think someone quoted it, it's like a wind blowing over a grave. Yeah. And it is marked presto. And that is essentially difficult to, to convey. C minor sonata, however, a few years later, um, is is one of great pathos, maybe not tragedy. And it's interesting to note that um, he maybe was infatuated with Teresa von Trattner. This is this is a a mystery that no one can really know, because there are no um, letters, communication left. They were all destroyed. However, they were living in the same house, in, this, in the same place at, at one time. And I wonder, along with the great C minor fantasy, whether these are expressions of frustration, turbulence, love, heart, mind, soul. It's all there in the music. And we have to take with us, bearing in mind the the time in which this particular sonata was written. I think, isn't there, there's a wonderful reference from Alfred Einstein about the C minor fantasy, that um, this in the greatest improvisation, and yet with the greatest adherence to form, is such a unique work, because that goes through all manner of keys we come to D major from C minor. I mean, this is still in the 18th century. This is quite, well, in quotes, revolutionary, certainly harmonically, thematically, isn't it? A lot of people, in my experience, playing that work in different countries as well. A lot of people are very bemused and very perplexed by that. And surely Mozart was, in addition to a great man of his time, also a visionary. I mean, if he'd been given life, I wonder where the, the, his, his harmony would have taken him. Think of the magic flute. Absolutely. This is a work of such towering, heart-rending beauty. Uh, and, and, you know, dying at the age of only 35, 
Had he had life to 70 or 80, who knows what he could have written. Absolutely. And if he had, he could have lived just on to meet Chopin and well, Schumann and uh, the Mendelssohn. touching. I was recently, uh, we were talking earlier, I just had the privilege of playing with the Philadelphia Orchestra and Yannick uh, two weeks ago, K595. And in the same program, uh, there was the Requiem. And just to be reminded of this miraculous work and that heart-rending moment when the music stops and then it is completed, as we, as we all very well know. Um, just to be reminded of the, the harmony again, the use of a, of a trombone. Extraordinary. I often wonder what would have happened if, had Mozart lived, then Beethoven would have become his pupil. I wonder. And it, I wonder. it might have changed the way Beethoven well, wrote as well. I mean, who who really. knows? We can speculate. Yeah. We can laugh. We can cry. We can discuss mm. till we're all blue in the face and exhausted. Sadly, the, the, the fact is that he didn't live longer than he did. But we have to be so thankful that he, he left what he left behind because the output is truly awe-inspiring, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any other great favourites among the Sartres? <laughs> the one at the time, <laughs> the movement <laughs> at the time. I, I'm sorry. Well, it's difficult not to, isn't it? But just to be reminded of, of each of those movements. I have a particular fondness um, for the B-flat Sonata K570. I think the slow movement is such a, a literal hymn to, if you like, profundity and mankind. Uh, I always marvel. I always have a shiver up my spine when I begin that movement. That's not to say there aren't others too. Um, the the, the K330, the second movement of this, is seems very simple. But in that simplicity, um, everything is encapsulated. The human condition, if you will. Why is it that so many millions and billions of people respond from all over the world to Mozart's music? Um, he touches the soul, truly, doesn't he? He is universal. Totally. Um, another issue I've been wondering about is how yes. do you plan each programme? Are you going through them chronologically or have you built programmes around a different Well, when I was invited um, to this great hall to present the whole cycle, I had to, at the back of my mind, think what nourishes the soul, if you like. And I find it very difficult playing in a chronological order. So I wanted to include in each programme as much as I could some of the early with some of the later and and thematically as well and i took a very long time um, picking up and putting down what might or might not work in fact when i'm coming back to the great wigmore hall in january i was just asked if i could slightly alter uh, the programs because i think there was a conflict in repertoire uh, which i've very happily done so two of the concerts are slightly is slightly different, um, but I, I it is possible to find a way of including everything. Do you, do you always prefer to play them as a cycle, or do you <laughs> some do you, do you embed particular <laughs> gems from from the output That's a very into good question. other programs? Well, that, of course, sorry to be um, uh, competent. <laughs> They're all gems in in my. I, I know exactly what you mean. 
Um, yes, recently, the last week, I, I gave a recital uh, of Mozart, and um, and it was interesting just to just to have a journey through his life for maybe a newer audience. And um, I I put together a group of three pieces, which do work extremely well, uh, namely the um, Fantasy in D minor, the Rondo in D major, and the Great Adagio in B minor. And and people seem to enjoy those those three together. I do try to play the cycle um, consecutively, if if I can. It's it's quite tiring. It's eight hours of playing essentially. And um, particularly in Asia, I've, I've played them a, a bit there. And um, four, four evenings is um, it's, it's quite difficult, but at the same time, it's very stimulating because the, the music inspires. I was thinking, you mentioned earlier the F major sonata K280, which has yes. this incredible Siciliana slow yes, movement. Exactly. It, it reminds me a lot of the A major piano concerto slow movement, the K488, well, in certain ways. And yes, I, but I also there's a Haydn sonata, which is, is very similar. And um, Mozart's reverence towards Joseph Haydn is, is legendary. And I wonder if it, if it was a reference in some way. But of course, um, J.C. Bach was also. Um, and I think what's wonderful about Mozart as a man is he was very generous spirited. He was seemed to me from reading various accounts, very grateful to his father for the encouragement, grateful to Padre Martini in Bologna, referencing C.P.E. Bach and, and Haydn and, and J.C. Bach too. Um, and but finding his own, or rather extending his own musical voice, because even those very early little so-called pieces, when he was in London, aged eight, the 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 magic he manages to to create with two notes, thirds, let's say, or sixths, and throughout his life you have this, and um, to to develop through his life more daring harmonic structures is so fascinating but if you take that f minor movement from the k280 you you might think it was written 15 years later it it is that extraordinary isn't it uh, but there's the the first movement to the e flat sonata k282 how daring to have an adagio movement as the first movement which is it is incredibly still I always wonder what those first audiences must have made of these extraordinary pieces. And then moving on to the G major, which is essentially full of charm, full of smiles, full of grace, humor, with charming second movement, which doesn't really have dark corners. And the last movement is so exuberant too. Wonderful. And portraits of Rosa Canopy a bit later, being cheeky being orchestral. I mean, everything, the whole world is there for one instrument. If you are willing to be more than one, one dimensional, you have to be an opera singer. You have to be a magician. You have to be doleful. You have to be happy, you, everything. And that is the huge challenge. But, but the extraordinary charisma of this man must come through. One sonata we haven't mentioned yet is one with the good old Turkish rondo. <laughs> it's, I think, the sonata I've been most worried and fretful about, 
because everybody knows it. it must, it's rather like playing the first moment of the Moonlight Sonata, isn't it? Everyone knows the pitfalls, and is that difficult uh, to sustain? And the same, actually more with the variations, the, the, the first movement, I, I, I find. But the Turkish Rondo is, is what it is. It's, it's great fun. And it has to, again, to be orchestral. We have to think of those little symbols as in the Seraglio. Uh, it's, it's an extraordinary achievement, isn't it? Yeah. And I... one, one smiles and marvels at the same time. I think on on his original piano for that. I think I think there are all sorts of I hesitate to say bells and whistles, well, but yeah. certainly <laughs> things that jangled well, and made idiomatic noises. Yes, and you have to convey that in, in in your performance as much as you can. So again, not one dimensional. I imagine another extraordinary challenge must be the other one that everyone knows because it's usually the, the first <laughs> piece of Mozart we get given oh. as, as kiddies. <laughs> and it's so beautiful and so perfect, but everyone knows how it goes, the C major. Mm-hmm. C major sonata K545. Yes, of course, uh, uh, first movement is the graveyard of any, <laughs> of any pianist. I don't know, is it apocryphal that Arthur Schnabel, the great pianist, said that uh, Mozart is uh, too difficult for adults and too easy for children? Uh, it's, a, it's a trite comment, but um, there is a case in point. It seems so effortlessly easy and is so incredibly difficult. Notes can stick out where you least want them. We, as gypsies traveling from one piano to another, have to get to know them very quickly. (laughs) (laughs) And always in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, that G might stick out and that F sharp might, you know, because it's not regulated. You you have to to dispel all those worries and just concentrate on on the line. But it's it's incredibly difficult, Um, I think. You can get a not get away with, but what am I trying to say? Lose oneself in great list uh, etude transcendant or whatever, or the B minor sonata, and dare I say, maybe forgiven the odd odd splash or or something. Mozart, absolutely not. It's all there. It's uh, so and, exposed, and the exposure is terrifying. I remember that <laughs> sensation from way back. <laughs> and and lots of people, of course, play the second movement of K545. And then you think the third movement, oh, yes, how charming. What a lovely, jolly little piece. If only they knew how tricky it is. It is um, full of danger. Just thinking about, I mean, that is quite a relatively late work, that one. But yes. apart from that, the the bigger sonatas he wrote towards the end of his life are, I think, Am I right in thinking they become a lot more contrapuntal in certain ways? Well, than certainly the that ones. final sonata, as you know, when he was um, journeying to Frankfurt and and stopped in Leipzig and um, paid homage to to Bach. I think that was the point of the journey. And um, yes, that is full of contrapuntal elements. 
but wrapped up in this wonderful warm way it's by no means by no means just purely technique and they're not necessarily larger scale are they yes of course c minor as we've already discussed has has its own its own inner core um but that b flat sonata k570 is is miraculous and unusual in that the first movement is in three four time and it goes into d flat you know from b flat major that is that is radical curious yeah. radical <laughs> indeed and then the last one which just makes you smile um but it's it's a it's a warmth it's a human a human warmth there that is so touching it's not just for an effect it, it's it's there because it's from the inside from to take something from the inside is like a great artist isn't it if you look at uh, one of the genius well let's say leonardo who could draw something with that slender pencil and it could be as much to make a, a grown man cry because it comes from inside that's great art isn't it Absolutely. it's not mechanical it's profound do you think it's significant that the piano was actually Mozart's own instrument? And that was the, if he was choosing an instrument to express himself, that would be that the is, one he is, would choose. That is widely he said, others. isn't it? But of course he played the violin and viola yeah. too. I, I have this impression from certain things he wrote that he didn't actually like playing the violin that much. <laughs> really? And that maybe there was some sort of hangover from his father's <laughs> influence as a violinist. Perhaps that's his, true. Uh, I, I, I wonder if he really enjoyed extent. playing the the piano. It seems as though he did, and the piano concertos and the the subscription concerts. He must have been such an exuberant performer. But at the same time, I I just marvel at the slower movements. That how can you write such sublime music? It's um it 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 is a miracle, isn't it? It would have been amazing to hear him improvise. Wouldn't it? Which. Apparently, there there are some accounts of, of yes. things, well, of concerts he again, gave and improvisation. Yes, and sadly, a lot of the earlier earlier than uh, the first chronicle sonatas or first published sonatas from K two seven nine onwards, those those works that he improvised must have have marvelled everybody, probably not least his father. Can you imagine the pride his father must have felt in his genius son? I certainly hope so. <laughs> I would have yeah. thought so. He's so the Leopold Mozart is such a he's he's such a critical sniping figure sometimes. But maybe maybe that's essential that um the person you're guiding grows even more and thinks about things. Uh, if he was strict, well, look at the result. Absolutely. It's a sort of eternal question prodigy parenting. Yes, and, uh, yes. I, I think uh, you're yes. kind of damned if you do and damned if you don't sometimes. And actually, who are we to judge? Yes. The most important thing is that he seemed to have been an all-round ex extraordinary human being, Wolfgang Amadeus, full of complexes, full of inquisitiveness, full of the world around him, expressing through, as in the piano sonatas very slender means uh, the 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 most miraculous in harmony i i i am always deeply touched um, by by all his music i i don't know one work that doesn't have something of profound meaning 
I think I've repeated the word profound rather a lot, but I do find them extraordinarily profound. A lot of pianists probably don't wish to play this set of sonatas as a cycle. I know myself I would never play all the Beethoven sonatas, uh, but the Mozart sonatas, they, they appeal so much because of, to my mind, their, their great range of ideas and material. And maybe a lot of pianists overlook what, what they have inside them because uh, the, the whole world truly is there. And that's, isn't that a marvelous thing to be able to be part of? I, I feel deeply privileged. But in that privilege, there is the worry that I won't be able to convey truly what, what, what I feel. And I think that's where listeners play their part too. We are a sort of conduit, aren't we, between, uh, on the one hand, the great genius, and we have to somehow get into his mind, heart and soul, soul probably the most important, and to convey that love to the collective group of listeners. Now, whether that's a hundred people or like the other day, 5,000 people, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's always that challenge and yet, somehow, that collective from an audience encourages. It, it's really, I find that element incredibly touching. Uh, that somehow you feel buoyed by the listeners in any given concert hall in order to give of your best. And that's it, an exquisite feeling. I think that's a wonderful place to finish. I'm glad. Yes, thank you very much.